0: Nightmare. number two behind
1: i Anna Kristen was miserable. I started having really bad bloating and pain, and it was so bad that I just couldn't even eat. Food just made it worse. So I stopped eating pretty much altogether. She was caught in a vicious spiral. Yeah, I mean, it was very dangerous. Within eight weeks, I lost around 25 pounds. Finally, she learned what it was. SIBO is the small intestine bacterial overgrowth, the leaky gut syndrome. It was out of control. It was awful. She had just one hope. I heard about Atranteel, and I was on the medicine, and it just had great results. It it was really immediate. Atron-teal. AtronTeal, developed by a board-certified gastroenterologist, is all-natural, vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, and available without a prescription. AtronTeal turned it right around. Wow, how can something that powerful just come in a bottle that you can buy at the store? Find Atrantil at Amazon.com, Walmart.com, or your local retailer. Thank
0: goodness there is Teal. I feel healthy again. Atrantil.
1: For a special limited-time offer, go to bloat911.com. The leaves are falling, and so are the prices. At the Rocky Outdoor Gear Store, hiking, hunting, tailgating, and camping, whatever your favorite fall activity entails, Rocky has what you need to gear up. Three floors of footwear, apparel, equipment, and decor. You're sure to find something for everyone in the family. While you're there, grab a bite to eat at the Rustic Boot Grill, the Rocky Outdoor Gear Store, Route 33, Nelsonville.
0: bobcat basketball is coming fire up a three and
1: bang that down ohio can't miss green hot from
0: long range head coach jeff bowles and his cats are ready to light up the convo this season with a hard nosed high energy style of play season ticket packs start at just forty dollars per seat get yours today call 800-575-2287 or log on to OhioBobcats.com. ohio bobcat basketball new team energy old school effort
1: Stop by and enjoy. And 97.1 FM. WPTH, Southeast Ohio.
0: My oh my, it got rainy. Our uh, pets didn't want to go outside this morning while it was raining. Better now, though, I'm sure. But lots of puddles. Hey, we got a special. We're going to get a from the Athens Police Department. Who's really made a name for himself as our deputy officer. In fact, he's uh, retired his uh, regular. Gig and just does this and loves it. And uh so that's that's um well good morning, Rick. Well good morning. Whoops, let's see here. Uh check his microphone. I think it's pointed the wrong way. Uh let's try it again there. Is it? Yep. Yep. Ugh. and and then to add to that you have a
1: horsey voice this morning. I do, yeah. It's a good time of year for this. That's all right.
0: <laughs> I was with some gal last night who had strep throat and she was trying to she was she works for the post newspaper the university's newspaper and she was so apologetic for trying to ask questions <laughs> and things you know a reporter anyway good morning oh uh, good morning well listen um the other day i saw you and you are so engaged in so many different activities it's really cool to watch you no dust uh, settles on you nor you know any moss under you um it's just, um,
1: you know, you have so much energy. But uh, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Where were you raised? Well, I was raised in Albany. So I'm a Athens County native. I graduated sure. from Alexander High School. Yeah. Uh, so I've uh, been around the area all my life. Well,
0: th- somewhere along the way, uh, you know, as you progressed... Th-
1: you're, well, oh, let me back up. What were your parents' backgrounds? Well, my dad, he uh, worked for the telephone company. Uh, like for, GTE? Yep, GTE mm-hmm. for many years. And my mom, she was actually a uh, teacher's aide in the school system for a while. And and then uh, she left there and worked for Elder Beerman's for a number of years in the shoe department. And uh, so they, you know, both retired and enjoying retirement themselves right now. And dad has his own business, actually, that uh, he kind of goes and does things on his own right now and like, enjoys that. Like uh, home repairs and things? Well, no, it's kind of an interesting job he's got, but. Uh, He actually sells caskets and uh, does delivery service for funeral homes and stuff. Sure. sure. So it's a unique uh, job, but uh, someone's got to do it, and he enjoys it. You bet. You bet. And, uh, you you know, as you get older, and I'm
0: getting older now, um, you know, you start to think about those things. You know, do you have a burial plot? Right. Do you have, you know, what, 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 what are your wishes, if you have any? You know, and getting those all kind of known to uh, whoever needs to know them. Right. So, Things that people don't want to talk about but yeah, you need to. You that's can't. right.
1: Well, um, brothers and sisters? I got, yeah, I got an older brother. Um, he is married, got a couple kids who are married and have kids themselves now and uh, work for, he works for an EMS system uh-huh. here in Athens County. He has for a number of years. His his son also does. Um, wow. And my, then uh, his, his daughter, she homeschools her kids and, uh, does a great job there, and and with them. And then I got a sister that works up in Columbus, married, and uh, she works for the state cosmetology licensing department. Oh yes, so uh, doing good for themselves. Oh neat.
0: So um, <coughs> you know, here you are, a, a, a police officer. Um, did you? Was that always
1: in the back of your mind? <laughs> you know. It it kind of really was. Um, you know, I tell kids all the time that since, like, third grade, I could remember wanting to be either a police officer or a truck driver. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was, you know, big. But, you know, back then you had, you know, your cop shows. Yes, um, of course. What, BJ and the Bear was a big <laughs> show back you know, years ago, Truck Driver. And, uh-huh. you know, and so, you know, you're, you're influenced by what you see on TV. And and that was kind of me at the time.
0: Well, um so in high school, what were some of the activities that uh, particularly drew you in?
1: Well, in high school, uh, I played mostly, I played golf uh, my years at high school. Uh, I did marching band all four years of high school. So what instrument? I played trombone. There you go. Um, at least I faked it anyhow. Yeah, sure. And who would have been the band director back then? Uh see Richard Lindsay was my freshman year. Yeah. Uh then they had a strike that year. And so uh we kind of lost our half our school season because of the strike. Yes. Um I think he was maybe the union president at the time and he left after that year and we had uh, Richard Dink or yeah Richard no Danko was his last name Mr. Danko. I remember William that Danko, name, I certainly. think was his yeah. first name. And so we had him and I th- I want to say he was our band director until I graduated.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. so he was there m- at least four
1: years. Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
0: So well, um, so let's see. Trombone. Um, now, I forgot what you said just before that. Oh, golf. Golf, yeah. yes. Okay.
1: And, and is
0: golf still a passion?
1: Uh, you know, I enjoy it. Um, I don't hit near as well as I did. I uh, never did hit real great. But, uh, you know, I get out maybe two or three times a year. Uh, not as much as I'd <laughs> like to, <laughs> but... Uh, I've <laughs> given it up. It, you know, I've, I've got nice equipment. I've got
0: all that stuff, you know. But I've watched some pros just pick up an old club and then hit it like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and I realize suddenly, you know, all this equipment stuff is... It doesn't matter. Right, right. <laughs> and I used to play three times a week over in Hawaii. And <laughs> Mercy, uh, it's just a total waste of time. The only great thing is being outdoors and being with some friends. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, I've given it up. Mm-hmm. So golf, though. Um, what? Um, so, so with the idea that uh, this, at some point in your life, this idea of being a uh, law enforcement officer. Uh, came to you, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and how did it...
1: How many years do you think you were working toward that? You know, it's funny because if I look back at myself in high school and ask myself if the dream of being a police officer would actually come true, yeah. if I was honest with myself, I'd say it wouldn't. Uh, because, you know, I was not the outgoing person. I was not the um, uh, the person who... Would be uh, the lead person in something you know and take control of a situation and stuff, and so you know it wasn't it wasn't my style but and, you a, and know, a person in law enforcement has to do that you when know. I look at you today
0: <laughs> you are a, a leader you're one that yeah. uh, comes up with ideas and gets people excited about them and things like that, you know what i mean' right no, and
1: I appreciate that it, you know it, and that's the thing I had to work with when I uh, first came into law enforcement is to be a, uh, that um am uh, trying to think of a um, cons- uh, confident person, you know. Yes, yes. You know, in, in what I'm doing, yeah. Good word. Um.
0: Well, um, so what is involved in becoming a police officer? You, you know, you hear about the Ohio Highway Patrol having an academy mm-hmm. up on uh, basically the state fairgrounds right. uh, properties up there. And then, you know... So help us through that. I suppose hocking offers
1: a thing, right? Sure. Yeah. And actually, matter of fact, when I uh, when I graduated from high school, I uh, wasn't sure what I wanted to do for sure. You know, I knew that uh, at that time. Actually, I was working for a local funeral home out in Albany, and I kind of thought maybe funeral director, um, police work still wasn't sure. And and I actually took the state highway patrol test uh, as soon as I got out of high school. Mm-hmm. Went up to the academy and <laughs> didn't par so well with it uh and i actually kind of was laughing when i walked out after being unsuccessful and passing the first time and you know just realizing i was 18 i wasn't ready for this and took a year off i didn't do anything i did some maintenance work funeral home and then decided you know i need to do something and i looked in the hawking college program up there and they had a police science program i thought this sounds sounds like something i would try to do and and i did i signed up i uh Went through the program. Uh, between my two years of the program, I took my uh, police basic, got certified as a police officer in the state of Ohio, and you know, in 1985 I graduated from Hawking College, and the city of Athens actually hired me as a reserve officer back then, and I started my career in law enforcement. So when you think back in the 1985
0: to the, the officers that were working for the city, who were a couple
1: of the uh, names um, you would admire? Well... Uh, my goodness a lot of the guys I mean Jerry Elgin uh, was a guy that you know had a long history yeah. here Ernie Annell oh yes uh, you know, great guy as well um oh man um these guys are going to hang me Jim Mann was a dispatcher who always had a lot Joe Crollo, uh Larry Lyons was a guy that was on the department when I first started uh Chuck Meisner was a lieutenant on the department when I first started uh Ch- uh, Clyde Beasley, another one that uh, oh, I remember him well. Clyde worked with me a lot in you know getting used to qualifying and, and shooting you know weapons and stuff. And uh, Ted Jones was the chief at the time who you hired bet. me. you bet. and so just so many. And there's so many I'm I know I'm missing, but just so many great great men that uh, that were on the department at the time that uh, really helped me get along uh, as an officer uh, at the department. I was uh, on uh, city council at the time.
0: And, uh, in fact, in 85, see, I would have been president of city council. So, anyway, um, it was, um, you know, it, it, <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this. Um, up in, uh, You used to meet in the courtroom. Right? right. Instead of up on the up top level. And there's a little button underneath the desk. And so if someone becomes disruptive or rowdy or something, you can hit this button, and you guys would come upstairs real quick, you know, to kind of settle things down. And one time I lost my balance, and my chair tipped back, and my knee hit that button. (laughs) You guys came... I mean, you didn't disrupt anything, but you came up real
1: quick. (laughs) Right? Well, in our department, we'd been right in the basement at that time, still, of the old old city hall right there, so we only had one flight of stairs. (laughs) And then Sarah Hendricker
0: and I had a lot to do with building the new law enforcement building. So, anyway, um, so, you know, that's, that's. career choice you know if you hadn't become a police officer you kind of mentioned truck driving but you know i was just wondering after after you would gotten into it for a while um are there still some career things that really appeal to you you know
1: uh teaching ended up being something after i got into the schools that was never something that was of interest to me when i was in school as i was going through my training and stuff but once I started teaching in the schools, you know, as a dare officer then that became kind of a passion for me. And I thought, man, if I'd have had it do all over again, that might have been something that I would have probably looked at maybe uh to Yeah. You know, possibly go into that kind of line of work. But um you know okay. you never know, you know, you just kinda Sure. Well, you know, and,
0: and it, not everybody needs to have additional wishes, you know, or interests. Um, you know, I I think the whole thing of law enforcement could be very fascinating. And, uh, and then you added this special component to it, the D.A.R.E. program. Now, as I recall, that stands for Drug Abuse Resistive Education. Exactly, yes. yes. Okay. I had to look it up this morning <laughs> because we over the years we just call it dare right and then you kind of forget what it stood for but um, you know that's that's a, a unique position in the sense that well Jimmy Childs is doing yeah. some of this too it's with a the, great job uh, in the county with the county systems and and the sheriff's office, but you represented our local um, Athens City Department in this capacity and and uh, pre- preceded Jimmy for a number of years. Now, uh, finally, not finally, I, I didn't mean to say it like <laughs> that, but at some point they realized, they meaning society, that um, we have a problem. And, uh, you know, education could be a major component of making it better. So, kids using drugs. Um, It was... The whole D.A.R.E. concept came out of the inner cities. Right. Initially. But then it spread to even, you know, rural areas such as Athens. uh, Because we, too, have a certain degree of problems like that. Sure. So... Well, it started out as drug abuse issues or gang-related or that sort of thing. Um, it has become much more than just that. And I think of... Um, well, you should think of... Uh, you tell us about some of the other youth issues that you dealt with as the D.A.R.E. officer. I mean, I, I wrote down a little short list of things that seemed obvious to me, but why am I talking? You should be talking. (laughs) So what are some of the other things besides simply drug abuse
1: or usage? Right. Well, you know, there's, there's so much out there now, and especially uh, over the years that, you know, that I've been involved with the program, uh, things have changed so much, but, you know, everything from peer pressure is a huge thing that, that the kids face and trying to fit in, trying to, you know, find their friends, trying to, you know, um, be accepted and stuff. And, and that comes into, you know, what do they do now? You know, the bully situation has become a big issue and stuff out uh, that's there. That's one I jotted down.
0: Um, and, but, you know, when I was at um, Worthington High School during the 60s, uh, I had a bullying situation. Tim Norton was his name. And he, and later, he and I became great friends. But there was a period where it was very... Um.
1: Uh, Tense, uneasy. It, it and tore me up. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing. The kids, you know, they go through this, and and a lot of times there's bullies out there that, you know, for whatever reason they decide to bully. You know, they are. They're trying to push yourselves around. There's people who see it, and the kids are afraid to say anything. Um, there's that, you know, that label, a tattleteller and trying to explain it to the kids that you're not a tattletale when you try to help a kid when you try to help a person out who's being bullied. Or you know being treated in an unright way or unfair way or whatever, and and so then that you know goes across lines as far as even at recess where you know they mistreat someone when they're playing a game out at recess and and I use the words you you let them play but you don't let them play, and I asked the kids what does that mean and it, you know it's basically where they yeah they let the kid play but they never get the ball to the kid they never yeah. let him participate and right. and so that can even be part of that exclusion type aspect of, of the situation and I think the biggest thing is the kids trying to fit in there's just again so much out there with video games and the, the way the uh, media system is as far as the, the shows that are out there on TV now and what the kids see um, and the music that some of the kids hear and they, there's just so much out there that's, that it's so hard for these kids nowadays you know we we here um, strive
0: uh, to play um what do I want to say? Um, sanitary mm? um, sure. versions of certain songs, sanitized, I think, is the expression. Where if they go and buy the album, it may sound entirely, not entirely, but but slightly different, slightly different, sure, and and more in your face, so to speak. Um but uh, we we've we've taken that approach out here for years,
1: and um I don't know if anybody ever recognized that, but uh, well unless is- they heard the real version, they probably wouldn't even know that it's you know out there, and you know we've had kids before um who they want to listen to a song and we'll, and we'll have to say, as long as it's a clean version yeah and and, they, and they'll look at you sometimes like oh, and, and it's like you know, then they can't play their songs in because you know it, they have so many of them don't have the clean version, uh, you know, on their phone or whatever. And so, well, so the the DARE program was established roughly what year?
0: Uh, here roughly, in Athens. That oh, is. in
1: Athens. Okay, so Dave Williams was actually the first DARE officer uh, in well, I Athens. I remember him well. Yeah, and that would have been 1985. Okay, um, is when he would have came out. He was in actually the first DARE training here in Ohio. Uh, for the first group of air officers in the state of Ohio, uh, he was in number one. So, in 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 the program overall, like in the inner
0: city, and so on. When did it originate? It started in eighty okay, three in Los
1: Angeles, two. California.
0: So, just a couple of years before it had grown to uh, nationwide.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then eventually worldwide.
0: Now, um, your your own involvement. When did that kick in?
1: So I started uh, 94, 95 school year was when I first started into the schools. Uh, Jim Michael preceded me. He took over after Dave Williams stepped down, and uh, Jim took over, and he stepped down to become canine handler. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took over with, at the time, Chief Mayor, who was our chief at the time, said, you know, we'll let you try it. We'll put you in there for at least two years, maximum of three years. And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I laugh at it now. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and here you are now, retired as a regular officer, but continuing to wear the uniform and represent the city in Dare programs.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Pretty cool. Twenty one years you were a full time uh, officer. I think is that right?
1: Uh, actually, it's twenty eight, about almost twenty eight and a half full time. I started in my full time for the city was March first of eighty uh, seven. I had a short stint. Uh, I went with the June of 85 I started with the city part time then in January of 86 I had a year stint with the University Police Department um, In the city at the time was unable to hire me full time and then they hired me back March 1st of 87 and been there ever since until I retired in 2015 so well I,
0: I was off a good 7 years there <laughs> but, uh, for, so forgive me but 28 years full time um it, it, you know let's let's stop with the dare for a bit let's, let's just call you a police officer um some memorable or uh moments you wish you didn't have to remember um you know and and do it cautiously, of course right right, but um you've
1: seen many things in those years, yeah, you know um so many different things i mean i remember. One of you know, the, the fatals, I think, are the, the things that are probably the most memorable things you remember when you uh, arrive on some type of fatality. And I remember uh, working one afternoon when it was building the University Mall on East State Street, and mm-hmm. one of the construction workers had fallen out of the back of the utility vehicle and had uh, hit his head on the middle of the roadway. And uh, someone had stopped me. I was in the cruiser just driving down the road, and someone stopped and said it had been a bad wreck up the road there, or accident and i get up there and you know the gentleman's laying in the middle of the road and you know he subsequently passed away due to his injuries and stuff you know and so right. you know those that was something you're know, kind of like wow you know it's the reality of life you know something like that can happen and um another situation where i was coming in at midnight shift and uh, a gentleman had um, fallen down a flight of steps and was you know had died at the bottom of the steps and stuff and Uh, You know, so things like that, um, you know, those are rough. You know, situations involving kids...
0: So that indicator there is is uh, non-functioning? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> we have a brand-new system. We've been telling you it's been uh, uh, installed over the last uh, week or two, but it, this morning is the first time it's really showing up in earnest in our AM studios. The FM have been using it for about three weeks. So I'm still learning it, and it... Uh, Really haven't had the chance to be taught yet. (laughs) All right. So, CBS, I've I've got it now. Um, I sort of lost my thought.
1: No, we're talking about situations I've been involved with and things. please continue. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, you know, situations dealing with with children, um, that's always a hard issue. Um, You know, whether it's a a child abuse situation or something like that, you know, you just, it's hard to, to keep. Focus, you know, on doing your job in it. Sometimes because you, you know, you can become aggravated over a situation. You know, when you know that there's something that could have been done differently, and and so uh, just so many different things. We're does,
0: do. does the Dare program deal with um, how do I want to put it? Besides uh, the drugs thing and uh,
1: bullying and mm-hmm. peer pressure and all of that,
0: abusive home environments.
1: It's, yeah. So in the younger ages, I actually go in and do visits with second grade and fourth grade and during those visits we do talk about uh, uh, abuse, we talk about you know safe touch and we talk about stranger danger type stuff and, and it's an introductory thing you know, and what to do um, if they're approached, if something happens or whatever, so that they, that they do know uh, that it's safe, that it's okay to say no, that it's okay to tell someone, that, um, that if people use the words, it's a secret and even me, in fact, even in middle school, when I go back to middle school, um, with eighth graders, we talk about the Internet safety and being very cautious. Oh, I hadn't on even thought about the new electronic stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's just that. In the time I started D.A.R.E. to the time now, I mean, that's all become new. Oh, yeah. You know, we talk about bullying. When we'd grown up as kids, you get home and you're safe. But now you, now there's no safe haven. Um, you want know, electronics? People can bully you through, you know, technology just as easy and easier, you know, in a sense, and so the kids are faced with so much more out there. So, uh, so we dr- we do address this and things, and you know, um, all kinds of different avenues that we'll try to cover, uh, at least touch on it to give them some basic avenue to help them through the situations and things.
0: Well, obviously, there's a certain sense of uh, confidentiality, but um, and and that's properly and, and necessary now. But again, can you can you recall some parents coming to Officer Rick and saying, "Man, thank you."
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it, it's you know I love my job, I love what I'm doing, and you know, um, I don't feel like you know that I do anything special. Uh, you know, I I you know I love doing what I do, but you know I had. People come before me and tell me, you know, thanks for what you've done. You know, um, what you've done is, you know, you've helped my child, you've helped my kid. Or they've come to me and said, "Could you help me deal with this situation? Is there something you can give me some advice on?" You know, they've asked me those things, and um, and I've had kids come back and say things to me too. Which, you know, I'm in the second generation of kids now teaching, so I've got you know kids of kids, and yeah. uh, and so that makes you feel old as well. But but they'll say that. And, and I think one of the really neat things is when you have kids tell you that, that you inspired them to do something different. Mm. Uh, like I've got you know, different ones that are involved in law enforcement that have told me they did it because of the fact that I was in their classroom. And they wanted to do something like that. And, and that's humbling. You know, It really is. It uh, makes you feel good that you was able to do that. But you know, I'm just thankful I've had the opportunity to be a part of that and to have done this for as long as I have.
0: Well, forgive me for not knowing. I, I see you in so many different environments, but do, do you yourself have a family? Uh,
1: I don't right now. Nope. Unfortunately, I don't. Okay. Oh. Is that uh, something you hope someday might uh, occur? Yeah. I, oh, I'd, love to, I'd always love to have kids. Um, just, unfortunately, things that never panned out uh, mm-hmm. with situations and stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my busy schedule and yeah. this and that. and. You know, uh.
0: so you know this. um, Okay, so you've retired as a full time officer, but you continue for the city as their dare officer. How many hours a week does that keep you occupied?
1: Yeah, well, so it kind of varies. Um, It just depends on how my classes go. Like, uh, so like yesterday I had a full schedule. I, you know, I was in the middle school and I had six classes yesterday. I've got four classes uh, to teach today. Um, and then I'm off until pretty much Friday, and I have some classes on Friday to teach. And so um, it, the hour-wise, uh, you know, in a pay period, I can go anywhere from maybe 30 hours in a two-week period to 60-some hours in a mm-hmm. two-week period. Um, now know, I'm sure the school year calendar has a lot to do with it. Oh, that. it does. It, it really does. I mean, during the summertime, I'm hardly in the office at all. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not the uniforms in the closet it's hung up and (laughs) doesn't come out until august the end of august i just turned around and i hadn't noticed this before but your badge is pink yes now what's that all about well we started that actually i think one of the officers at the department asked about doing this back a few years ago in recognition of breast cancer awareness month Uh uh-huh and uh so uh, many of us on the department ordered and bought these badges and uh we wear them for the month of October in recognition of uh, Breast Cancer Awareness. Well, we were just up at the James yesterday, and um, it's still a major thing, isn't it? It still is, absolutely. A uh, lady I know here the other day had been told that she might have it, mm. and she was you know, obviously scared and frightened, but she had another test the other day and found out that she was actually nothing there. So she was very uh, thankful and happy, obviously, that... It came back clean.
0: Well, so in these uh, retirement years, and you you don't look old enough to be retired. <laughs> um, well, what what are some other goals you have?
1: Well, you know, I don't. As far as goals, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I people keep asking me how long I want to continue to teach the program. For one thing, and my thought is, I'm not real sure. I figure as long as I enjoy doing it. Uh, I have some thoughts on how many years i 'd like to go more mm-hmm. um, but you know um, as long as I continue to feel like it, you know there is a difference being made, and I enjoy it uh, and then on top of that you know i i 'm coaching at high school at uh, high school baseball i 've been doing that for a number of years this is seventh year involved there, so that keeps me busy uh, um, I did middle school cross country this year officially as a coaching and um that was that was fun, but boy, it was. It was tiring having to get out there and run like that, um, and then uh, you know I I real active with my church and different things that's going on with there. I uh, go and do a trip over to Romania every summer uh, and do a children's camp, and so I'm keeping I'm keeping real busy as well as I you know I work for you know local cable company doing uh, videotaping for sporting events and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, that keeps me busy, and so I stay pretty active and pretty busy, uh, majority of the time. What, um,
0: do do you ever do, um, let's see here. Uh, when I used to work in the, um, oh, the booth at Rudder. Oh, the concession stand type? No, 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 no. Oh. Up in the press box. Oh, press box. There we go. Um, as a spotter and helping, uh, um, Our announcer, uh, Gibby, Gibby, John uh, Gibson. Yeah, Fred Gibson. Fred Gibson. Mm -hmm. Oh, jeez, it's embarrassing (laughs) when you start to lose names. Anyway, um, you know, you you were behind a camera and you had it on a tripod and everything, and you were shooting for, uh, I think it was the Nelsonville TV cable system. Yeah. And uh, but have you ever enjoyed doing
1: the actual play-by-play stuff? You know, it's interesting. I got started with them uh, basically at a youth football game years ago over at Penn Stadium. And I was there watching the kids play, and, and uh, the guy running the camera time came down and said, hey, can you come and talk to you know, Gibby on the, on the radio or on TV? And I'm like, oh, I can try. And so we started doing that, and then uh, um, I ended up doing some basketball for a while. And it's funny because at first when you know, Gibb told me, he says, all you got to do is when I quit talking, you talk. Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, that's easy for me to do." <laughs> he would quit talking, and it'd be it'd be silent silence. I, yeah. I, I and Then we got. I kind of got into it and, and did a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's a little different when you're talking as opposed to being behind the camera. Behind the camera, I don't have to think as much. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, yeah. Uh. Well, anyway, the um,
0: I know this, our sports crew just you know they're nuts about it. And um, there are guys that do the color announcing that wish to be uh, the play-by-play announcers ultimately, and so uh, they have opportunities here. Sure, sure. So anyway, um, Mercy, I think we must have uh, eighteen or twenty of those, you know, people involved in that sort of thing. And we lost a couple of seasoned ones here recently. You know, Gary Baldwin, for example. Okay moved to cincinnati and uh, several others anyway um so, so let's see here what what, what is something n- nobody knows about you in terms of hobbies like are you a fisherman are you a
1: um a pickle ball you know i don't <laughs> well, you know um i love research yeah you know, i i really I, yeah i love doing research uh you know, I, I've been doing some research for the police department, doing, you know, family research. I just love digging into stuff, you know, and trying to find history information. Uh, one of the interesting things I do is uh, I'm a cemetery guy, uh, which is kind of weird, I know, but I, I love going to cemeteries and just walking through them and looking around. This and, is the third time this topic
0: has come up in the hour. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Uh You said you worked as a young person in a a, uh, funeral home. Funeral home, and then uh, your your father is in the business. Yes. So so uh, this is
1: interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So uh, you know, I love going to the old cemeteries, looking around. Some of the um, little ones that you don't get to see much, uh, you know, because they're just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. I'll go take pictures of markers and stuff as well, and and uh, there's different websites out there that you know, are looking for people to take pictures of markers and post them and things. So, so I'll do that, and uh, you know, and so that's a neat hobby. i i sometimes I'll take a whole day and I'll hit maybe ten or twelve cemeteries <laughs> in one day, uh, smaller ones. Mm-hmm. So,
0: well, I know down by the Racine Locks, there's a little place, Plant there. Cemetery.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, you know it by <laughs> heart. But I mean, I there's got grandparents down there. There's so. little,
0: yeah, little places that you wouldn't even know. Right of, and yet they have this importance. Mm-hmm. Well, and then ancestry. dot com and those sort of places they sure. they rely heavily on people helping with that data.
1: Yeah, and so on. Um, yeah, I use the ancestry. dot com quite a bit. Uh, you know, I'll I'll let my subscription expire for a while, but then when winter time arrives, I start having more hours in the evening that I can get on there and search and, and do stuff. And so It's always fun to find new information. The um, Is the program that, uh,
0: the DARE program, going back to that, is it, uh, do you, uh, you think, harder or easier or no different than what uh, Jimmy Childs has to face with the county school districts?
1: Well, I think, you know, as far as Activities and things going on. um, There are different challenges. I mean, we have a lot of obviously the same challenges. You know, you got uh, for the city of Athens. You have the I have the rural kids as well as the um, the city kids, so to speak. Now we're not talking big city, obviously, but we're talking the city. You have to, you know, you have the different um, family makeups inside the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, he has a lot of different types of struggles. Obviously, as he you know looks at the four other. County schools because you know he does Alexander Federal Hockey North York and Trimble. So that keeps him very busy and very active and stuff. And and so the you know, the curriculum is still the same, but what's nice is we can adjust the curriculum a little bit to fit our needs for um, for where we're at. So he can take the curriculum and he can adjust it a little bit to make it work into what he sees you know that is needed for the kids in his schools. And uh, and I can do the same with you know, with mine in my schools as well, so uh, we're teaching the same thing, but we can change it a little bit to make things meet uh, what we need.
0: This is really uh, an awful question, but I'll, th- I'll throw it out there because I think I know the answer. Um, can the school district say we don't want you?
1: Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely, absolutely they can. And you know, and and here's the thing: when I work, um, when I work with the teachers and administration. Um, to me it's all about you know asking for them to allow me to come into the classroom and for me it's a it's a privilege for me to be allowed to come in because they and, and more so now than it was maybe when i first started because they had a lot more freedom back when i first started to allow for certain programs but they have so much teachers have so much nowadays that they have to teach to and that they have to uh, accomplish that to give up you know 45 minutes of a day, you know, of that class time, is sometimes becomes hard. And, and the main court program, which I teach in sixth grade, there's actually like 14, 15 visits. So it's once a week that I go in that classroom, and, uh, and that's that time that could be used for something else. But I'm so appreciative of the teachers and administrators for believing enough in the program and, and me as well to bring the program and continue to bring the program into the classroom all these years. It must
0: make you feel good when you show up at a um, some sort of athletic team practice or some social event where there's teenagers or middle schoolers and that sort of thing, and they all seem to gather about you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's Officer Rick, <laughs> and there's there's a friendship, there's a um, um, admiration, there's a
1: a connection, right? Yeah. It, it is again it's you know again it's humbling um you know it it is uh rewarding to to have that to, for them to 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 call you by name to know your name um you know to to run up say hi to you speak to you and, and i think a lot of it is just the fact that letting the kids know that there's someone out there that cares uh, because i do care i i really do care about these kids and i really want to see shows. them be successful and it shows um so you know i would I would try to do anything i could to to help these kids, you know, and you know so its it's very rewarding it very is. Have,
0: have you been involved in one on one situations once in a while
1: yeah, uh there have been situations where you know you'll have a kid who'll call you As a matter of fact there's a young man who might so we're talking. 95, uh, 94, 95 school year. My very first year teaching. Mm-hmm. Young man went to Morrison uh, Elementary School out there. He's had a lot of issues over the years. Um, he's been in and out of jail. He's been in prison. He's just had it rough, but he keeps trying and trying to get himself straightened around. And um, I still have contact with him. He he calls me all the time. He he doesn't live around here anymore. He lives in Central Ohio now. And um, but he calls me talks a lot um i'll go visit him and his wife at times and his kids will call me uncle rick you know (laughs) even though i'm not related uh you know and so you know um it's special it's it is it's special uh, because he does he, he he doesn't have much family or anything that he can go to uh for support for help and so you know I'm the one that he can lean towards that he can come to for that, and that's that's special. It's you know that all those years, you know, and he still sees me as someone he can go to to ask for advice and talk to and things. And does it appear that he's getting his act together? It does. It, it does. Um, you know, there's every now and then something will happen, but sure. uh, but he's yeah he's trying. You know, uh, because of his record, he's had a hard time getting jobs and stuff. But uh, you know, his wife's working. Uh, he's working now. He's got into a temp job at least now and, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, at least trying to be successful for himself now.
0: Well, it's a great story, and I, I suppose it's one of many, really. Um, Rick Cross and our guest this morning, and uh, Officer Rick. In uh, 29 years, 28 years or so, he was a full-time officer dealing with what all the police officers must, plus... Uh, his work with the the DARE program and being the one designated DARE officer for our city police department. But now, a couple of years ago, he retired and now he's just doing the DARE stuff. And uh, so, um, let's see here. Suddenly, I'm having a memory lapse. Our chief, um, Tom Pyle, Tom obviously thinks you're doing a great job.
1: Yeah, you know. Uh, it was a little nerve wracking when Chief Mayor was uh, had said his retirement and waiting for the new chief to take over because I serve at the discretion of the chief. And uh, when when Chief Pile when he was first uh, told that he was going to be promoted, he was captain at the time. And uh, I remember him calling me into his office and he says uh, he says Rick, I just want you to know you're safe. And I looked at him like, what do you mean I'm safe? He says you're safe. He says. As long as I'm chief, he says, you can do the dare as long as you want to. Uh, and I was, you know, I was very thankful that he trusted me and believed in me enough to allow me to continue to to do the program. And even after retiring, when I told him I was, you know, planning on retiring in 2015 at the end of the school year, and he said that you know he would like for me to con- continue. Come, yeah, continue. Yeah, continue. Come back and continue as long as I wanted to, as long as he was chief. And and so he's been a huge supporter. Uh, and I've been so appreciative of his support for the program and for me.
0: The, um, the, you know, this is probably more of a question I should ask the chief, but the compliment, how many officers um, are engaged with
1: our city police
0: officers, uh, or our organization?
1: How many do we have on staff now? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I should know this number now, but after retiring, <laughs> I forget. It's, it's We're about 22, isn't tw- I would say close to twenty mid twenty maybe okay, something like that now uh, I'm, I know we've hired some and we've had some spots that have been available i'm not sure where we 're at in that process overall, but in a typical shift of a regular nature, uh, they're
0: like four days on, and well, will you help me out,
1: with okay, that? so our department actually recently changed the way they do shift work. okay uh, so they actually. And I don't know if I could do this, <laughs> but they actually work 12 hours on and 12 hours off. Okay, And so they come in at 7 in the morning, get off at 7 in the afternoon, 7 in the afternoon to 7 in the morning. And the guys like it. The young guys like it. The older guys, they're like, well, eh, it's hard on them. Um, but they get extra time off. So they get three days off a week as opposed to two. And because of the way the hours build up, they actually get an extra eight hours or so off. You know, every now and then to add two or three days, I guess is how it works out. Hmm. So typically, what we used to work was we would work five days a week, eight-hour shifts, and we rotated from a midnight to days to afternoons, and then we had one called a relief shift, which we worked everybody else's days off. So, like if I worked relief shift, I'd work three at eleven on Saturday, three at eleven on Sunday, be back in at seven o'clock Monday morning until three, then back in at eleven o'clock Monday night until seven in the morning. Then Tuesday night, 7, 11 to 7. So it's a lot of hours working, little sleep. But then I'm off from 7 o'clock Wednesday until Saturday at 3. So that's what we used to work. And then uh, they've changed that. I'm not sure how long they've been on these 12-hour shifts. But uh like I said, they, a lot of the guys seem to like it. And and also, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you know, different, um, I'm sure, other departments uh you know it's pretty hard to create something brand new and so you watch other departments and how effective these things are and try them here with them once in a while
1: right sure so
0: uh, no problem um the the tr- the ongoing training uh for a police officer i assume you have um uh, some sort of annual um, rifle range sort of um recertification
1: or something like that. Right. Yeah. matter of fact, uh, last Thursday, uh, I I went to the range to qualify. Uh, So we have to qualify with any duty weapon, any uh, secondary weapon we might carry, Um, you know, all that stuff. We have to qualify that. So, yes, we do that annually. Uh, And there's also to keep my certification as a police officer because even though I'm retired, I'm still certified uh, to do the job. So there's, you know, certain continued training that they have now this year the state's not required as much as they have in the past um, but um, the attorney general's office has online training that we can constantly go on and do we have updated um, training bulletins that we have at the department comes out on a regular basis uh, over policies and procedures and stuff as well now you know there is kind of an interesting uh,
0: element too where we have a mounted uh mm-hmm. Um, gang I,
1: are you a horse lover well you know i was on i was never much of a horse person growing up but i was actually on the original Mounted patrol yeah when we first started it uh i had people teach me how to ride a horse train with the horse um uh, they would one of the officers would bring in two horses with them and so i was uh part of the original t- mounted for a number of years and decided to step away from it uh, a few years back and and haven't been on there but uh, it's it's a tremendous um group of people you know that the horse mounted patrol can do so much more than what uh, a small group of officers can do and uh so it's there it's fun it was fun to do to be on the horse be above the crowd you can look over everything <laughs> and we've got an event coming up uh very quick halloween
0: yeah yes and uh, You know, back in 1979, uh, Earl Funk and uh, Joel Rudy and I co-chaired that event, and we tried to make it a family-friendly event, much like they're doing for the first time again this year. And it scared the hell out of the university because suddenly we had 30,000 people. Um, I hope they will welcome the additional participation. Uh, and not get scared this time, right. but uh, they've 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 tried to kill the event. It's not going to be killed. Other communities would um, be so grateful to have that happening in their area.
1: Um, sure. Well, yeah. anyway, we'll see what happens, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and over the years, I mean, the the Halloween thing has changed so much over the years. Like you said, from the beginning to when it began, to what it turned into for a while, and then what it's going to now. And you know. Why not get behind it and support? And Because it's going to be here. Like you said, regardless, it's going to be here. Um, let's make it something safe for everybody. That's right. So,
0: Rick Crossan, Officer Rick, uh, our DARE officer, and that stands for um, Drug Abuse Resistive Education, but it takes in many other points too. And um, he's been uh, doing that since 1994 for the department and. Uh, Now in retirement, still continuing on. Keep up the good work, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. And we really haven't talked too much about all your sports involvement, but it's extensive. (laughs) You're with so many different uh, teams helping out and, uh, you know, friends of so many coaches. And the coaches want your engagement. And and then you do some coaching yourself. Right. So pretty cool. Alright, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Let's see here. What time is it? We got, uh, yeah, we can do this. Well, let me try that again. Uh, Scott, where does that appear on here? Oh, it's this one, isn't it? I think so. Let's try it now.
1: Alpine Heating and Cooling is a local, veteran owned HVAC contractor providing you comfort with their best guaranteed prices, 24 7 emergency service, 10 year warranties on new systems, and free estimates. Alpine, with a Y, uses quality products from top brands like Rheem and LG. Call them at 740 591 2777 or email bill at alpinehvac.com. Alpine Heating and Cooling, helping you stay cool and drop it like it's hot. When the pimp's in the crib, ma Drop it like it's hot Drop it like it's hot Fall is in the air, so it's time to add trending autumn hair color hues. Whether it's a chestnut brown, honey blonde balayage, or warm copper highlights, you want, we can create the look you're dreaming of at the Infinity Salon at the Market-On-State. For a limited time, try one of our Goldwell Color Locking Serums for only $5 with another service. That's a $20 value. You can book online or call to make an appointment. The Infinity Salon.
0: To infinity
1: and beyond your expectations.
0: All right. Next in sound CBS News, we think. (laughs) Yeah.